so strength training is really important because obviously muscles are the ones that are metabolically active. Okay, so so it comes back to the same thing about like business, right? Like when you you want to be able to burn calories even when you're not doing anything, kind of like <laughs> be efficient about it, right? Um, so cardio is great and it's really important for like your heart and lung. But cardio does it like once you're doing cardio and then after you finish cardio, this just the end of it, right? So when you mm-hmm. do strength training and you build up muscle, it actually helps you to man- be more metabolically efficient. Meaning that you you're burning energy and calories much more efficiently, mm-hmm. um, and actually strength training has been shown to also help with your cardiovascular health as well. So even if you don't do any cardiovascular activity, strength training alone is actually quite cardioprotective. Hey everyone, I'm your host Paul Turn. In the day, I work a pretty normal job as a doctor in Singapore. But in my spare time, I interview successful people, mainly in Asia, with interesting career paths, hobbies, or side projects. I trace their stories right back to their humble beginnings, and I ask, what do these unconventional journeys teach us? And can we similarly be more imaginative in what we do? Welcome to the Alternative CV Podcast. Hey listeners, welcome back to the podcast. One quick thing before we begin. That is, do check out last week's episode with Dr. Deborah Wong, where I explore her story about how she's turned brief Pilates from a struggling Pilates studio when she took over into an extremely profitable business that complements her income besides her being a general practitioner. So today I talked to Dr. Deborah Wong about fitness, and this is our masterclass on fitness, healthy eating, and related topics. Dr. Deborah Wong is a mother, a general practitioner, an entrepreneur, and a fitness guru. Shortly after graduating from medical school, she took over a Pilates studio, that's Breathe Pilates, turned it around and expanded it into a highly successful and profitable chain with four locations across Singapore. Breathe Pilates is unique in that it offers training programs for Pilates instructors in addition to the standard Pilates classes. Deborah maintains a professional interest in lifestyle medicine, and that's the branch of medicine which looks beyond just treating medical conditions and looks to prevention and what you can do with your lifestyle modifications in terms of your eating, your supplements, etc. to be more healthy in general. Deborah has also personally experimented with multiple training programs herself, as well as diets and supplements. In this masterclass with Deborah Wong, we discuss about health and wellness. Deborah has some impressive views on diets, supplements, and exercise. Things we talk about include exercises for people who want to stay lean, Deborah's big picture approach to nutrition, thoughts about fat diets such as the keto diets and whether you should use them, intermittent fasting, Deborah's thoughts on supplements, exercises for people confined to their homes during lockdowns, and general advice for young doctors starting their careers as well as for people who are just starting out in business. And last but not least, before I leave you with this episode, I do have one small announcement to make. Over the past few months, I have worked extremely hard to bring you weekly stories from people who have been successful in pursuing alternative paths. However, I will need to slow down over the next few months as I prepare for some of my medical exams, and hopefully that will give me a chance to bring you more episodes in the future. But until then, um, I take my exams in March. I will be posting less frequently, but of course, I will be committed to continuing on this podcast channel and do subscribe to the email newsletter where you'll receive notifications about new episodes every time they drop. So head over to alternativecv.fm and sign up to the newsletter to get notified about new episodes if you haven't done so already. Once again, thank you very much for listening. It is 
my privilege to have your time and attention, and I sincerely hope that you enjoy and learn something from this episode, as well as all the other episodes on Alternative CV. Without further ado, here is Dr. Deborah Wong. So strength training is really important because obviously muscles are the ones that are metabolically active. Okay, so so it comes back to the same thing about like business, right? Like when you you want to be able to burn calories even when you're not doing anything, kind of like be efficient about it, right? Um, so cardio is great and it's really important for like your heart and lung. But cardio does it like once you're doing cardio and then after you finish cardio, this just the end of it, right? So when you mm-hmm. do strength training and you build up muscle, it actually helps you to man- be more metabolically efficient, me- meaning that you, you're burning energy and calories much more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. So, and actually strength training has been shown to also help with your cardiovascular health as well. So even if you don't do any cardiovascular activity, strength training alone is actually quite cardioprotective. So I would say strength training is really important for a, a bunch of benefits like that, right? Metabolically active, you actually can do cut, like, you know, training for your heart and lungs. And also it's all the muscles is really important to help you prevent falls. You know, as you get older, you lose muscle. And I think it's, it's really important for prevention as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would prioritize strength training and strength training doesn't have to be like going to the gym and lifting very heavy weights, right? It could just be body weight work, right? Or even Pilates, even anything against resistance. It doesn't have to be like, when you talk about strength training, people always think like 300 kg deadlifts, which is not what strength training means. It just means building your muscles. And then once, whatever your muscles are, whatever stage they're at at the moment. So if you haven't been exercising for a long time, then, you know, it will just be body weight work or like even 2 kg dumbbells. And then mm. it will be like cardio work. I guess cardio work is, is, is important just to kind of like just walk and get things moving. And then obviously mobility work to just kind of keep your joints lubricated and to keep your flexibility. Yeah. Mm, mm. And uh, what about for people who don't have much time? So say if they had like maybe once or two, one or two spots in a week for exercise, what would you prioritize then? I think one of the main things is that a lot of people actually start out at the inappropriate level. So okay. if you are, yeah, if you're a beginner, then obviously then start, start at the beginner level so if you at once or you only had two times a week i would just go for strength you like you see people who try to do like like high intensity interval training right or, or people who join crossfit when they haven't been working out before i think crossfit is a great exercise i love it i do it all the time they say it's for all populations so i agree no i think it's for people who are very fit i've been working out for quite a while already so i think walking is a great exercise people don't People who've never been exercising before ever, just walking will actually be very useful because walking is weight-bearing as well, right? So then you do get strength training in your legs and you do that, that cardio kind of like, and you build it up. Once you've, you've gotten there, then you can kind of progress a bit more. So my husband, who was actually very, he used to be very fat and used to have all sorts of chronic diseases and is actually now very lean and very healthy, used to be very fat. And this is what he has to say about it. He says that if you're a very fat person, card, any form of cardio sucks. Because it's like, it's very hot. You're uncomfortable. You're tired. He's like, but you're very strong. So obviously the kind of exercise that you want to do is the kind that rewards you and makes you feel good as well, right? So mm-hmm. start with like strength training. You know, like if you're slightly heavier, you, you can lift much heavier weights than someone who's very skinny. So then you would start with like strength training and then you build that muscle. You actually look better because you're more in shape for one. And then you actually become more efficient at burning calories and you'll drop, you'll drop the, you'll, you'll lose the weight and you'll also become healthier much faster. So I will start with strength mm-hmm. training. The long story is I will start with strength training if I only had two times a week. 
Interesting. I think myself included, a lot of people would think that, okay, you know, two times three, maybe just go and run or, 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 a, or swim or do some kind of cardio. Yeah, okay. Interesting point of view. Let's talk about eating. What, 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 would, what do you currently eat? Maybe that's a good starting point. Do you, do you have any kind of big picture kind of framework for how you think about what you want to eat and how to approach nutrition? I think it depends on what you're trying to do. A lot of like, uh, there are a lot of fat diets out there. And I think it, it comes back to what you're trying to achieve with your diet. And some people are trying to look better, which is not wrong. I think it's fine if you want to look better and that's your motivation. Some people want to look better. Some people are in it for like longevity. Some people are in it for like health reasons. Or some people just enjoy eating, right? And they, they, they want to, they don't mind like, compromising on some mm-hmm. aspects of health so that they can enjoy their food, which I also think is fine. For myself, I, I do like to eat, so I, I kind of have like an 80-20% rule. So 80% of the time I try to eat well, and 20% of the time I don't eat so well. And if you think about that, that's if you have 21 meals a, a week, right, you actually can mm. have like four bad meals, which is actually not, mm. not bad <laughs> if you think about it. So I try to do like 80-20% kind of rule. Um, depends on how disciplined you are as well. 80-20, and I also try to just eat a variety of food. I am a strong, I, I'm really a strong advocate of like eating. I know it's very popular to be plant-based now. I think you should eat your animal products. <laughs> I think it's very important that you eat meat to be fully nutrition. So I'll try to incorporate like meat and vegetables and, and complex greens. What are, what are your thoughts on the fat diets? So if we take in turn, I think that top, top of my mind are like intermittent fasting and then ketogenic kind of diets. Mm. fat diets you know I think at the fat, end of fat. the I know like fat diets yeah. right like I think yeah, at the yeah. end of the day you need to understand the why of the diet like how it works and whether it works for you okay so for the ketogenic diet what it does I think it's very good to help reset your um, metabolic efficiency so a lot of people from eating chronic sugars and, and carb- carbohydrates, um, they don't process fat very They don't know how to burn fat very well. So your body needs to be able to burn fat and sugar to be what we call metabolically flexible. You need to be able to go between fat and sugar quite well. If you cannot burn fat, then that creates metabolic conditions. So the ketogenic diet helps you to reset and learn how to burn fat again. And how you do that is by completely cutting out sugar and any form of carbohydrates. So your body's forced to burn fat. So once you have learned how to be metabolically efficient, then you don't need to be on a ketogenic diet anymore. So if you're like an overweight, chronic condition patient, like with diabetes and had diabetes mainly, then yes, it's beneficial for a while. But you don't have to be on for the rest of your life because I think it's actually very, very stressful to the body. The cortisol levels are quite high when you're on a ketogenic diet, which then comes with a whole host of problems because your body is stressed. And also it's just not practical socially, right? So that, that, that so it's not a bad diet. I think there's a place and time for everything. But you need to understand what these diets are meant for and why to do them and to use them as useful tools in your toolbox versus, you know, just following the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you tried them before? Are you on any specific uh, diet? Me? No. <laughs> I think I, I I do I do kind of subscribe to your to your ADE twenty kind of rule. Not not that I actually have a have a particular rule for myself. No, I am not disciplined enough to, to do the ketogenic diet. I think that for you to achieve that, you really need to actually be in ketosis. And for you to swap your body into ketosis, you really do need to be very, very strict about no kind of 
carbohydrates at all, which I'm not very good at. And also, I, I think I, I get grumpy quite easily if, if my brain is not adequately powered. So, nope, not, not for me. There you go. That, that's where I stand on it. I do do it though, like once or twice a year, just for like two weeks, just to kind of like reset. Give myself a metabolic mm-hmm. reset. Having said that, it's not the best idea to do if you're trying to conceive or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Because mm-hmm. I have yeah. a lot of people actually ask about that, right? Because I just delivered and a lot of people are like, oh, I want to lose weight. Um, can I go on a ketogenic diet? And I'm like, it's really not the best idea to try to starve yourself when you're trying to grow a human. Mm. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, and I mean, producing breast milk is also very, very metabolically demanding and you definitely need to be su- uh, sufficiently nutritioned for that. What about intermittent fasting? What are your thoughts around that, that space? It's the, same, it's, the same, it's the same idea, right? Intermittent fasting is basically to allow your body to metabolize fat. So the idea is that mm-hmm. if you're not eating for a certain window or period and you don't have that intake of carbohydrates, then your body is forced to metabolize fat. So the whole the whole idea between these two is to just train your body to metabolize fat better. Do you do you kind of lose protein as well? Because you you do, I mean, part of before you go to full on ketosis, you you do end up breaking down muscle and, and protein. So if you do it, you need to eat very high protein diet. So you need to match your protein intake. You need to like drive it up. When people do weight loss, you actually when you do weight loss, you need to have a surplus of protein to protect your to protect your muscle stores. Otherwise, you end up losing muscle. So I think I think the lesson here is that uh, it's not just about blindly wading into these, you know, fasting or, or, or fat diet plans half in a half-baked fashion because you can do more harm than good. You kind of really have to really understand it and then go for the full works. Actually, you know what's horrible? If you're on a ketogenic diet and you still eat sugar, that's how you get fat, you know? Because you're eating with like high fat, <laughs> you're right, you actually end up you actually end up worse than before. Exactly. Uh, okay, what, what are your thoughts around, say, supplements? Do you have some go-tos that you would uh, advise people on? Obviously, okay, we, we should caveat all this by the fact that this is us giving our own personal opinions, not, not official medical opinion. Go see a doctor, obviously, for, your, for something that's specific to you. But just in general, how do you kind of, what's your approach to supplements? I do take quite a lot of supplements myself. I know a lot of people say that, you know, if you eat a healthy diet, you don't need supplements. But my thoughts on it is that environmentally, the, the whole agriculture scene is a little bit depleted. So the food, sadly, the food that a lot of food that we're getting is really not as nourishing as it should be. So I do mm. supplement. Ideally, you want to be able to test everything before you supplement, right? Because you don't want to be taking unnecessary supplements. But a lot of the testing is not not available or it's also very expensive. And it's also very ridiculous. Like you cannot be going in every week to test your vitamin B levels, right? Before you go and buy the next bottle of vitamin B supplements, right? So my general idea is that um, if you if it's like water-soluble and it doesn't harm you and and then there's no harm in taking it, Except for money, lah, right? At most, you just you just waste. I mean, you, you, it is the cost is an issue, but I guess if that's the only harm that's doing to your body, then that's something that you know you can think about. So that's my take on supplementation. Also, you know, having done that, I think the recommended dietary intake that's given nowadays it's it's very arbitrary. I don't think it's it's what's necessary to survive, but not necessarily what's necessary what what is necessary to thrive. I think a lot of people have a wide range of supplement levels that they need depending on their activity levels and their genes. And that's where like personalized medicine comes in nowadays, right? Um, we're starting to realize that people have different needs. And and so I think the RDI sometimes 
which is the recommended dietary intake of certain supplements and certain vitamins are not necessarily correct for everyone or even a recommended amount. So I think the, for myself, the way that I tell whether or not a supplement is working is how I feel, which then also means you need to be quite in, in touch with your body, right? <laughs> in terms of like, so if I take vitamin B12, I actually have more energy. I can feel that. And I mean, iron levels, I do check because I don't like to supplement iron. So my, I guess the main takeaway is if you can check the ones that you can check, check and then take them. If you can't, then you want to make sure you're not taking something that will harm your body. So I, I mean, I, I would not take like any like hormonal supplements because you can't, it could hurt your body and you can't check that. But I do take a lot of like water-soluble vitamins. Actually, I do take a lot of, I take a lot of vitamin D as well because a lot of people are actually deficient in that, right? And I mm. find that most people are deficient in, okay, if I had to just recommend vitamins and I find that would be most useful for people, it would be magnesium, zinc, vitamin D. These are the ones that they're lacking in most of the time. If you, if you just kind of like do a blood test on most people. Mm. And these are also the ones that are testable, right? And the magnesium, zinc, vitamin B, vitamin D, and iron levels are generally testable. What? Okay, so magnesium, zinc, vitamin B, anything else? You, you mentioned some of the water-soluble vitamins. You can talk a little bit about that. So those are the ones that, that I would take. The blood testing, I, I think blood testing is not so efficient because you can't, you can't mm. really go in all the time. So as long as I think the main takeaway is more like don't hurt yourself <laughs> by mm. taking supplements that stay in your body for too long. Um, that can cause toxicity if they if they're in excess, right? Okay, so which which are these ones besides mainly hormonal supplements? I guess I think in terms of everything else, it's it's very difficult to kind of overdose on. And K, I guess mm. uh, actually, but I do take K though. You need K with your vitamin D for it to uh, be absorbed. No, 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 vitamin K. Oh, vitamin K. All right, okay. Vitamin K. So I, I'm doing. I'm doing. A, I'm doing. So it's very interesting because I'm doing like my fellowship in um in with the Australasian College of Nutrition and Environmental Medicine. So that's been quite eye opening in terms of understanding what kind of supplements to take and how how to take them, and not just and not just the the supplements, but also the form they come in. Because some are more bioavailable than others, right? Like bioavailability is the ability of your body to kind of use them. And even the form it comes in. So like magnesium, for example, magnesium oxide uh, is completely not bioavailable. So if your supplement has magnesium oxide, you're just wasting money. So you want to take like magnesium glycinate or like magnesium malate or magnesium citrate. Mm -hmm. I see. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, even even in terms of iron pills, uh, there are 1 million and 1 different forms uh, of which they have different kind of bioavailability. Okay, kind of uh, towards the end of this podcast, but um, I wanted to ask you about home exercises for people, for people working from home because, you know, we're in the midst of COVID and lots of people are just at home and, and uh, their desk is basically at home as well and they're kind of cooped up in their same four walls. What kind of uh, exercises can you recommend for people who are just basically most you know, confined really to their homes? I would say more... Ability is really important. So you just want to move, right? Just moving. It doesn't have to be anything really big. So if you can kind of like get up every half an I don't know if that's practical. Hey, but it's also very productive. So I would say, you know, focus on your work for like an hour and then get up and then walk and then move a little bit and then sit down again. So actually it works both ways. It's really good for productivity and really good for your body as well. An hour at work and then get up, move for like 15 minutes. Any kind of movement like walking, squatting. So the movement that most people leave out because you're always looking forward and back is rotation. So I would say get in some some movements that involve rotation. 
anything you can just turn your body <laughs> but make sure it's a rotation rotation movements just move i think that's that's the main thing really thanks okay uh let's uh, let's end off with some uh, words of advice from you um uh, two, two groups of people who i really want to ask about one is for young doctors at the start of their careers uh, what advice would you have for them i think my advice for them was to, to really go and explore what are the various options out there to just experience more like we mentioned you know to actually um, go and see the different specialties not just in the public healthcare sector but also in the private healthcare sector because there are a lot of things like what people are doing out there to see what your various career options are before you commit to them because you and you can do a lot of stuff right with your medical degree i'm sure i'm sure you've spoken to quite a lot of people that way as well mm-hmm. what about advice to people who are just starting out building a business same thing i guess speak to people people are really willing to help so just just talk to as many people as possible and reach out to them and ask them for advice people are more than happy to give them mm-hmm. okay and the last question for you any kind of books resources podcasts that you found particularly helpful along the way or that you uh, kind of point to as, as things which have been pretty high impact for you so I did this scaling up. Scaling up is a really good book, and I actually did the the coaching program as well. That was actually really really helpful. So that was right. just talk. That was the one thing that came to mind straight away. Deborah, thank you so much for all advice, and it's so good to hear about all these health and wellness tips from you. And you're doing some really really cool and amazing stuff. And I hope that that you continue to 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 show that there's a lot of ways to combine medicine and things which are kind of ancillary to it as well. And it's very interesting what you're doing. You know, there's not not just in terms of general practice stuff, but also the, the environmental and nutritional aspects to it and the whole concept of wellness beyond just the pharmacological treatment. So thank you very much, Deborah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Catalyst, which is a clinician-focused startup incubator and co-working space in Singapore. To find out more about Catalyst, visit their website at thecatalyst.com.sg. Special thanks to Dr. Reina Damawan and the team at Catalyst for their help in making this episode of the Alternative CV Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, do consider subscribing if you haven't done so already or sharing this episode with your friends. I'd love for more people to benefit from this. If you've got something to say, you can always reach out to me at poll, that's P-A-U-L, at alternativecv.fm. Leave a review, get in touch, pick up the conversation, anything you want to talk about. You can also find show notes about everything that we've talked about and any references we made at alternativecv.fm. See you next week. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Catalyst. Catalyst is a clinician-focused startup incubator and co-working space in Singapore. To find out more about what Catalyst does, visit thecatalyst.com.sg.